Greetings, heathens and heretics, and welcome to a special hot, sweaty Sunday night episode of In the Abyss, because uh, we're joined by Bones and Zach from Tail Gunner to talk about the forthcoming debut album, Guns for Hire, um, fresh from ventures north of the wall and a headline slot at Wildfire Festival. Uh, Bones, obviously you've been on here before, so it's good to have you back. Um, and Zach, welcome to two hours of your life you're probably never going to get back. Hey guys, nice to be here. And uh, yeah, you're um, you both back home, I'm assuming, after you know a fucking long journey north for a festival, that isn't it? Yeah, it was a long drive. I think we were it took well about eight hours yesterday, and and that's when I dropped Tom off. And Tom still had a little bit more to do. You had to catch a train across to London. So yeah, long old day. Yeah, that's was it worth it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, Wildfire was brilliant. We got a really good reception. Um, love playing Scotland. Uh, they love their metal there. So, yeah, I had a great time. You played the same festival last year as well, didn't you? But this this year, you've you've stepped up and you you headlined it. So, yeah. Um, basically, um, we we Dave, who's the uh, festival organizer, he. Um, uh was uh he took a chance on us because he reached out we were talking with him only a couple of months into uh having um released as a band and um he we played wildfire last year and they loved us and yeah we came back uh back for more and um yeah got the headline slot which was really good fun no that's that's cool because it's it, i i'd have a quick look on the map whereabouts in scotland it is because it's we're not talking like it's close to civilization here either is it it's right out in the middle of fucking nowhere that's what it looks like anyway yeah it's a bit a, a, a bit out um out there um we uh there were some wandering sheep uh we almost killed uh along the way um and yeah we it was absolute classic we um as we were driving literally as we got past the scottish border um within five seconds there was rain it was like um, it was like beautiful sunshine in the UK, and you and, and for some reason Scotland was miserable, uh, weather wise, not uh, not a metal wise. Uh, everyone was uh, quite happy, but weather wise, yeah, it, it was quite the opposite. No fair play. What's the festival like then? Because is it how big is it? Is it all? Is it in, indoors, outdoors? What's uh, so, so um, I believe um, it's three hundred, five hundred um cap and it was an indoor in, not indoor it's outdoor but under the cover of a tent so oh, okay. even though the weather was a bit miserable um it was uh still um we were still undercover so that was good and you you played the album in full for the first time as well didn't you yes that was a lot of fun um we basically uh yeah especially uh we've got one um uh well i'm sure we'll come to talk about it uh, but we've got one um uh, sort of epic track, which is um, uh, w w one that I was especially looking forward to playing called Rebirth. So, it was, and it was great just to get all of it out there because that's your first, that is the first public reaction we've got to the album, if you think yeah. about it. So, yeah. Go down well? Uh, yeah, they loved it. We, 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 we had a few surprises through the middle. We, um, in the middle, we decided to um, crack out um, Scotland the Brave, and uh, we got a Scot a Scottish flag um, printed with um, Tailgunner written on it. So Craig um, came out with the Scottish flag, and it was all very Scottish for a 
for a couple of minutes. Uh, we did try and convince Craig to get his um, his tartan, like do a change into his tartan because he's got Sc- Scottish heritage. But uh, uh, alas, it was not to be. <laughs> well, in, in fairness, there's there's been kilts and bagpipes and shit in metal before. So, you know, why not? Yeah. yeah. You know, let it happen. But uh, you, you got out there, you played the album in full. Um you know, a lot, of, a lot of those songs that people are going to have heard for the first time. We've obviously heard the album. We we really enjoy the album. It's been, I've, I've given it four beans in the car at home and I know these two have as well. And look, we love it. We absolutely love it. I think we, we've loved you guys from the start, what you do. You just bring in back proper heavy metal, exactly how, you know, we invented it in this country. You know, it, it's, it's not the most popular thing in the UK at the minute, but on mainland Europe, it's, you know, they're going nuts for it. So, it's just great to have a British band putting a whole fresh spin on what is traditional heavy metal. And yeah, you know, congrats to you all really, because the album's absolutely fucking brilliant. We love it. Yeah. Cheers, dude. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, I, I like the song titles. You like the song, like titles? The song yeah. titles? What, what What's your favorite? Guns for Hire. I think it's a great song. Great song title. Um, they're all, they're all yeah, pro- I, I, proper I, I, old school heavy metal song titles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I second what Jurgenza said. I mean, like you know, just the, the, some of the riffs and the 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 the, uh, the wiggly bits in between. You know, <laughs> 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 that would be, be my forte. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that's, no, it's, 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 it's definitely it's it's it, I think it's it's definitely a piece of work that you should be proud of. Yeah, so massively, massively. And you know, look, you get out on vinyl. You've got a couple of different different colours and versions coming out on vinyl as well. And which I think is to metal fans now is is such an important thing to have physical music, whether it's cassette, CD, vinyl, whatever it may be. Um, we had uh, James McBain on here, Hell Ripper, and he was talking about how how you know every every format of music that he sells is the vinyl that sells before anything else, and it's. I don't know. We we all need that tangible product now. We need to have something in our hand, and so it's great that you've, you're putting it out on vinyl. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think um it, yeah, it's awesome that um we've got um uh, the vinyl available in uh, the picture disc, which is my personal favourite. Uh, that's the one I'm going to be grabbing. Uh, um, a royal royal blue and crystal clear. Um, and yeah, I think um just having the ability. I mean with artwork and like um uh well there's there's nothing quite like having a, a record is there so no, um no yeah yeah it's it's, it's yeah the, the, the little sort of box on a screen it's not the same you know to, artwork should be on a 12 inch it's you, you get a full appreciation for it then it's uh yeah I look, i'm looking forward to getting my hands on it um is there going to be any uk distribution for it because obviously at the minute it's all coming from germany isn't it at the, at the moment, yeah, it's going through. At the moment, we get um, it when you click through the link, you you can go to um, it's being distributed through uh, Atomic Fire um, and Fire Fire Flash Oil Record Labels um, distributing the um, album. And um, I think the the best person to ask and someone I, I probably um, I'm just wondering how he's doing is Tom because I, I feel like he's having some technical difficulties at the moment. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck happened, but hopefully it'll be fine now. I was like, Zach, oh, much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've we've been having we've had some um, heat related technical issues, but we we should be back, you know, on firing on all cylinders now with a bit of luck. So, 
if everyone everyone's back in the room, let's let, let's start digging into the album because that's what we got you here for. You obviously you we should be very proud of you know this this body of work because like I said, we all love it. It's a cracking album. So let's have a dig through it. Look, obviously, half the album is the songs you've released before. They come at singles and, and the EP and that. So some of it people are going to be familiar with, but then you've obviously got the other half, which is all new to us. The album kicks off with Shadows of War, which is my personal favourite Tail Gunner song. It has been right from the moment I, I heard this. It's a proper anthem. Starts the album off with the right kind of, you know, just the right pace. It hits you just where, where you need it to. But so what's what's the song about and what's the inspiration for it? And Funny enough, like Shadows of War is the first metal song I ever wrote. It was the first song that I wrote for Tail Gunner. And um, I had the music for that for like two years or so before I moved to London. I didn't have any lyrics for it. And I went out to um, the Imperial War Museum. This is just before COVID hit, just looking for like inspiration, mainly for band names. And I walked around the the exhibit for the First World War and the lyrics for that song are actually all taken from quotes in like letters and journals of British soldiers in the First World War. And I nice. just walked around, jotted things down and went home and made it rhyme really. But Shadows of War for me was like, that was my my proof that I could do this because I'd never been a songwriter before. And my my goal was always to try and find someone in, for Tail Gunner to be the songwriter. And I couldn't find that person in the end. It was like, oh, fuck it, I'll have to do it myself. So <laughs> yes, it's cool that it's cool that it's your favourite because it was like basically the first song we ever wrote. It, it, yeah, it is. It, it's, it's got a great chorus. The intro reminds me of Maidens back in the village. Okay, and, interesting. You know, which is like a, an underrated Maiden classic for me, anyway. So, yeah, it, it's it's a great song and it's a great way to open the album. And I suppose if it's the first song you wrote, it makes sense for it to kick things off. Yeah, exactly. Which song are you most proud of? Personally, Guns for Hire. Well, that's right, because that's 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 the second song in. Um, so yes, yeah, so what 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 makes that you know the one you're most proud of? Um, that is well, basically the album really is in the order that I I wrote it in. Um, and Guns for Hire for me, like I always wanted a song like Rose Tattoo have rock and roll outlaw, yeah, and that's about them as a band and about being a, a rock and roller. I wanted something that was about us as a band and summed up what we're about and our attitude and about being a true heavy metal fan in the modern day and it's like about standing with your backs to the wall like it says in the song and like not fucking compromising not apologizing for anything that we do and just and just taking on the world no i i get that and like i was saying earlier on about you know the the, the current without wanting to use the usual acronym new wave of traditional heavy metal like we, you know we talked about when you were on it before tom but it's it's definitely a thing and and every week there's there's something new coming out and people seem to be embracing it especially outside of the uk but when you've been playing shows within the uk how, are you getting the reactions you want is it kind of you know because obviously you're going into into germany in october where naturally they'll probably lap you up because the germans love this kind of stuff but do you ever think that the UK, you have to work that little bit harder to, to get this across? The, the interesting thing, and um, me and Zach have spoke about this a lot, from my perspective, is 
you know, not to be too picky with like scenes or genre or whatever, I can understand why people would call us a new Watton band because we are a new band that plays traditional heavy metal. Like it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But in terms of like the attitude and the approach, I don't know if we fully tie into it because there's a lot of bands in that scene where they want to sound like a, an undiscovered demo from 1983 or something, yeah. which is really yeah. cool. And I can really get behind that. But for me personally, that's not quite what I want to do. And I think for us, like there's bands in the new Watton where they're full on thrash or they're full on speed or whatever. And for us, like we, we sort of dip into all of these different styles without going too far into any which way. And like, personally, like I'm very happy to be a band where if we can be that band where there's kids that, you know, 11, 12, 13, that get into heavy metal and we're like a an entry sort of band that, you know, you can check out all of these different styles before they go on to like bands that are full on like thrash or power or whatever. I'm very happy to be that band. So in the UK, in a way, it's actually worked very well for us because we do sort of play up to a lot of these cliches of, you know, like the twin lead and like, like the way that we dress and everything. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that, they might not actually be into the new autumn. They might not know Enforcer, Riot City or whatever, where they can buy into us because we do it in a very uh, sort of accessible way. And I think and, certainly in the UK, that's really benefited us. Yeah, I, I definitely think we've um, we've bridged a gap as a, a band in a, in a, in a way. We, we see it in like uh, festivals um, um, which um, have, let's say, uh, previously had let's say a lot of um uh, new wave of classic rock on them um and you'll see these people when we play sort of slightly on the slightly heavier side um and we're playing uh, their ears will pick up and it will bring them um it, it kind we kind of help to bridge the gap and um uh yeah as tom said be accessible to uh, lots of people and that's what we're, we're trying to aim aim for there's one thing that we we we've talked about the death on this podcast and the other two will back me up on this is if you've got the songs, you've got something to offer. It doesn't matter what kind of sub genre you fit into. You've got the songs and you've got the hooks, which you guys have got in droves. People are going to buy into it. I think, I think sometimes a lot of people when they, when they use these like acronyms and, and they, they like to apply labels to bands and stuff. What, what I think one of the things they're overlooking is like the concept of, um, uh, it's called principled eclecticism. So you can have your principles as a band, your values, like what your vision is as a band. So I think what Bones has just basically said about. But then you, you can also take an eclectic view of songwriting or presentation or artwork or lyrical content. And you're not beholden to a specific way of doing things. You're not you're not just gonna you're not gonna pigeonhole yourself and say, right, we're this or we're that. And then that can, some to some extent, limit your creative output. So if 100%. you've got the principles and then you, and then you, but you, but your adherence is to you an eclectic approach and say, we're, we're going to, like, this is what we want to do. This is what our vision is, but we're going to, we're going to take like things from different branches of the tree kind of thing and like fuse that. And I think that's, that's something that a lot of journalists overlook because they're too quick to just go right let's slap a label on something and then we can then and then that's almost it's almost like a metric then for a review 
Well, they're this, and within that narrow view of way of looking at things, that's a three out of five, that's a four star, that's a five star, whatever it is. You know, we've talked about that before, about like, you know, how do you even rate these? Like, you know, if you're going to give something five stars or four stars, what, what are you basing this on? You know, it's like, it's very, very subjective. It's like I, I always say in interviews, like we, and like like anyone that's a fan of music, like a, a real fan of music, is we don't listen to one style of heavy metal. It's like coming back from Scotland in the car, for example, we would listen to like Rainbow Rising. And then like the next thing we could listen to would be like the Battery debut or like, you know, Hell Ripper or something. And it's, we, we don't just listen to Iron Maiden or Judas Priest. It's like, if we want to draw from like some sort of 70s prog, proto power metal thing like rainbow or we want to listen to like black metal and think yeah we want that sort of intensity in the riffs in a certain song it's like that's the way that we consume music so naturally that's the way that we write it as well and a band for me that was really important was getting into halloween because across their first few albums it's like they've got stuff that's well into the power metal realm but they've got stuff that's like straight up pop metal you know yeah. And that, that was proof to me that actually you can do all of these different things and you don't have to stay in one lane. Because as a songwriter, it's, it's a lot more interesting to do things that are slightly different and a bit all over the place, but tie it together as one band. And I think that's something that's that's worked really well for us. And it also means going forward, like we've got different tastes of different things on the debut. So if in future we do something that's really, really power metal, or is really like sleaze or is like a straight up like rock song. No one's going to go, oh, fucking hell, what's going on here? Because we've always gone across those different styles from day one. Yeah. I mean, the thing for me is it's whatever styles you're doing. You've got the choruses, you've got the anthems absolutely nailed down. And that's, I think that's the one thing you, you really need if you want a, a long term career, because you have to have that. You have to have something that's memorable to people, even if there are potentially things to work on and, and you've got that and you, you're doing it so well at this point it, it's you know i'm so looking forward to what you're going to come up with in the future yeah i i, I agree with that and that that brings me on to, to the third song on the album white death which for me you talk about like something a bit more intense that's kind of what this is for me this 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 feels a little bit more close to thrash than it does traditional heavy metal it's a bit more aggressive a bit more intense um, so that that fits exactly what you were just saying. I don't think the lyrical style, the the, no, the vocal style fits thrash. No, so no, no. This is what, again, what I'm saying. It's like you can have thrash riffs, you can have like like the galloping riff style and the, the mid range crunch, but the the vocal style doesn't necessarily fit that. And I like that. That's that's that's. I think that's pretty cool. So I mean, again, I I, I what I do is. Like, I like the fact that you can't just pigeonhole this kind of stuff. Tail Gunner and some of the other bands we've interviewed and stuff like that. So, like, I mean, I think it's admirable. I also think it's a very difficult thing to do. And I think you've got a lot of balls in the air and I think you do it quite well. So, um, you know, again, that's off or bandana off, you know. <laughs> yeah, that song, White Death, is definitely very uh, a nice, fun one to play. Um live um because because it has a lot of energy it's um uh we te we tend to um uh it pre previously throughout different shows we've we've opened with guns for hire and followed straight 
on to white death and that's definitely a great way to uh wake people up in the audience and get get the sort of uh the adrenaline running well let's 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 talk about craig for a minute because i, I mentioned this to to bones and i've been messaging him back and forth that to find just to find a vocalist as good as this you know you you guys must kick yourself sometimes because it's 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 the hardest thing to get right this so many bands have heard over the years where the music is just great and then the vocals kick in and you just feel let down by it or you just think it's a bit much or whatever but Craig fucking nails it on this album it's just everything just fits perfect so you know you guys are fucking lucky to find him it's like I, I say this all the time like I'm I'm a fan of Craig you know which may be a weird thing to say where we're in the same band but like I'm a fan of his vocals I remember like when I was putting the band together and I found him online and it was a, a cover he was singing of 22 Acacia Avenue by Maiden, obviously. And when it, as soon as it kicked into the high part, I was like, holy shit, this, 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 this is the guy. And I called my girlfriend and I was like, I found the singer and she was looking him up and she's like, oh, it says here he's in another band. I went, yeah, I know, but forget that. He is the singer. Because, <laughs> I mean, how do you, how do you find another person that can do what he does? And, We've seen Craig grow as well so much over the last few years. And it's like, from when the album was recorded like two and a half years ago, even to now, he's improved so much as a vocalist. He's he's just an absolute monster. And he's he's a super professional guy. And he's a typical singer in that off stage, he's very sort of like, maybe not shy, but he's very reserved and very sort of chilled and like, and as soon as you see it change, like five minutes before showtime, something clicks and it's like, you just fucking, you just tunnel vision, he just goes for it. And it's it's awesome to watch, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, like it, when we, sorry, I was going to say, before me. we played Call of the Wild and we were behind the stage and we're in, the, in this big fucking field, like backstage, and Craig warming up his vocals and you can, like without a mic or anything, you could just hear his vocals carry across this whole field. And me and Zach stood there going like, fucking hell, like, this is our singer, you know? No, yeah, it's, it's like it's me a... before I go into a lesson. <laughs> 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 no, it, I mean, we we um, we saw you guys at the dev uh, pretty much almost a year ago. I think they're almost to the day kind of thing. And and yeah. I do remember we, we all kind of looked at each other and me, Anthony, another friend of ours, and, and we're just like, yeah, this this guy's he, he's got it. He, just that delivery, it's it's just fucking perfect absolutely perfect and yeah so you know it, it was worth hunting down he's he he likes climbing stuff and that the dev, no, the, the, yeah, the dev was a good, good venue to for craig because yeah there's there's suitable climbing apparatus available <laughs> just, just for quick him as well on on that show i remember like we were sound checking obviously for for those listening that don't know with the dev because it is a pub there's already people in there drinking and things. This is six, seven o'clock in the evening. And Craig started to just check his mic and just sing a little bit. And the whole pub went silent. And you you don't often see that. Do you know what I mean? And like after he'd finished checking his mic, he got round of applause. Round of applause. Nice. And I said to him, I was like, I was like, that's that's not normal, especially in the dev. For people for a whole pub to shut the fuck up when you were just checking your mic is like What's that was, his that background? Was quite a special moment, you know. Is he is he classically trained? Like like for example, like you know, has he actually had like 
training. Like he's as he couldn't like could he could he sing could he sing like opera? Uh, like okay. you know, or is uh, he I, just a good singer? He was gonna sing um, something from Phantom of the Opera, wasn't he? Like at his at his wedding, but I think he had some some vocal issues, like or something. Probably just the, the nerves of getting married. But I remember he said to me, he he self taught, and once he felt like he was at a good point, he went to a singing teacher to check his technique to make sure that he was doing everything properly and he wasn't going to like damage his vocals. And once he knew that he he had the technique down then that was that was about it so he just got someone to check that he was doing things properly makes you fucking sick doesn't it hey you know just kind of <laughs> yeah. you know fucking hell um on the, sorry on the subjects of white death what was the inspiration uh for that because when i first heard that song that that to me screamed right that's that's a song inspired by a movie of some kind potentially so just wondering if that was the case in the, the Winter War, in the Second World War, um, when the Russians were trying to invade Finland, there's a sniper called Simo Heha, and he's he's the most um, successful, if you like, sniper that there's ever been. And he had something like over 500 confirmed kills in the space of about a month, and he didn't use a sniper rifle because the, the sights on it would catch off the sun. So he used to do it all with his old hunting rifle from when he was a farmer. And he used to do crazy shit like pack snow into his mouth so they couldn't see the steam coming off his breath. And like, just I remember like reading about the guy, and as soon as I heard about him, I thought that's got to be a song, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. Crazy, that's, that's a crazy song guy. all day long. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, a subject like that. That's that's obscure though. How do you even fucking find something like that and and then write a song about it? That's it's not your average war story, is it? I, mean, well, I, mean, I think, think enough enough beers and just clicking through shit on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Finland, the Finland Russia Russia border is just a line of dead Russians, isn't it? Apparently, pretty much. Yeah. Well, yeah. obviously, <laughs> down to him. Fucking <laughs> hell. Yeah, no, like you know, every 50, 60, 70 years, Russia seems to get involved in a in a war that they shouldn't really have got involved in. <laughs> <laughs> So an interesting fact about Simo Hehar as well is they did manage to get him once. I think it was with a grenade and it, it like blew his jaw off and he went to hospital. He survived and got it all fixed up. And the day that he woke up, news got to the, the Russian front line that he had woken up and he wasn't dead. And that's the same day that Russia surrendered. Fucking hell. <laughs> um... So the first single you released was Revolution Scream. And and this was, I remember watching, the first time I heard the song was the video on YouTube. And I remember watching it thinking, this is an established band. This is because this video is quite slick and the production's really slick and everything like this. And then when I realized that was the only song you had. I think that's what made me sort of stand up and take notice. So tell us a little bit about that with the, the video, the song, how it all came about. Did you kind of... You just almost just hit the ground running with this one. Yeah, Revolution Scream is um, similar to Guns for Hire lyrically in the sense that I wanted something that was about being a heavy metal fan in, in the modern day. And it's saying to people like, not saying that we as a band are this revolution, but with us and the fan base and things like together, we can be the revolution. And like we're on a mission to put British heavy metal back on the map. Because like you say with the new Ottoman things, 
it's not as prevalent in the UK as it is in Europe or Canada even. And for us, it's like, that. that's not right. Like, we, we invented this shit, you know, with Maiden, Priest, Saxon, Sabbath, Motorhead. It's time, like, we were always waiting, you know, for a band like us to come along. And it got to the point where, like, fuck it, we'll just, we'll do it ourselves. You know what I mean? So with Revolution Scream, it's it's basically saying to people, like, like it says in the song, like, you know, the future is yours to claim and just go and fucking grab it with both hands. You know, don't don't wait around for someone else to do it. But the the video, I mean, I don't know how Zach feels. Like, I, I can't watch it now because I think it was the first <laughs> video that we shot and we were all, like, a little bit too excited. So we're all playing up to the camera a little bit much and I look back at it now and I'm a, li a little bit like, oh, God, that's, that's dead cheesy. <laughs> I, I don't mind it as much. Uh, yeah, I, I get it, though. Once you And because also when you're, like, going through the process of the video editing, where you're looking at the sort of the takes and everything and you, you kind of, like, get you see it the video an awful lot of times so um it becomes a bit uh more difficult to watch it every single time i get i guess it's a little bit like you know when you listen to your own voice um on like a recording or something like that it, it, it can be a, a bit difficult when it when it's a little bit cheesy as well yeah i, I gotta admit i've stopped listening to this podcast after we record it now because i'm sick of the sound of our own fucking voices so. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Particularly my own, um, but I just yeah, uh, I just pulled through the old WhatsApp group of, that we have between us, and still got all the original messages from like over a year ago. And I think my response to the Revolution Screen message when you sort of first pointed out is saying, "Where the hell are we finding these courses from?" Yeah, yeah, uh, that one's an interesting story, actually. So um, the chorus for Rev Revolution Scream was originally um, when Tom had um, demoed it, um, wasn't there. And there is a, a it's a nice bit of uh, footage you could probably see in one of our, our YouTube videos in the documentary um, where um, you get to see Craig coming up with the... Um, the chorus for Revolution Scream as we're sat trying to brainstorm ideas because I think we said at the time oh we've got this sort of um this uh this pre-chorus sort of idea but it feels like it needs to build up into that chorus and we're trying to work it out and then Craig starts singing out that melody and we're like yeah that's it so yeah that that's quite interesting that you, yeah, you picked that out that's 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 a nice touch actually that some something that good just comes out of something almost out of nowhere you know that that's that's really cool I love stories like that that's almost a bit like fucking sabbath and paranoid that is just having to just throw this song together and you know but that shows that shows how you know how good the chemistry is because you only do that when you the chemistry is right yeah yeah 100% so... 100% well the next couple of songs then so this is getting into the realms now where unless you were at Wildfire Festival on Friday, these songs you're, you're probably not going to have heard. So next one up is Future's Lost. Um, tell people about this. This this The drum intro to this makes me think Priest straight away um, to give, you know, give people an idea of what it may sound like. But what's the story behind this? It's, it's interesting with Future's Lost and then the following song that I know will come to New Horizons, but they're one after the other on the album. And I actually wrote, it was on a weekend. I wrote Futures Lost on the Saturday and New Horizons on the Sunday. So they've always been these kind of like, like brother songs. And um, when I wrote Futures Lost, it never had the drum intro. 
And I've fought for ages with with Sam, and he was like, "Oh, I, I want to put a drum intro on one of the songs." And I was like, "Nah, nah, sorry, like, you know, maybe in future." And then every practice, rather than just counting futures lost, he'd play this fucking drum intro. <laughs> so it got to the point where when we, when we meant to do it for the album, I was so used to the drum intro, I was like, "Oh, go on in, mate." <laughs> but now, now I love it. So you know, I don't always know best, but futures lost is like a sort of. It's it's about nuclear war in general, and I'd seen um, the film Akira, the the Japanese the, like the anime film. film. Yeah, 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 yeah. masterpiece. And um, yeah, my, my girlfriend took me to see it because they remastered it and we saw it in the cinema, <laughs> and I was blown away by it. And I I love the concept of what the film is about in the sense of like, can you give a human being the power of a God. And like, if a human gets the power of a God, as they do with nuclear bombs and things, one is, is that ethically right? And two, how does that affect you psychologically as a human being? So futures lost is about nuclear war and about from, from the perspective of someone that has the capability to drop that bomb and give that command and and take those lives. Um, and it's it's inspired in part by Operation Sunrise, and in part by Akira. So that's that's ultimately like what the lyrics are about: is should human beings have the power of a god? Which I think is for me is really interesting because with war, like you know, people say oh, there's a lot of a lot on the album about war, and for me, like I never really I never saw it that way because with these things, I'm not really interested in the who, where, or what generally speaking i'm more interested in like the the human side of these things and the, the different emotions that you can take from them yeah i mean that that's that's interesting you sort of talk about that because i mean i mean i'm a huge huge comic fan and i've been a, i'm old school marvel um so you know i've got i've got too many comics at this point the japanese stuff has never formally clicked but certainly akira and a lot of the ghibli stuff is is amazing but one of the things I love about comics, apart from the actual artwork, the dynamics of the storytelling is, you know, you're talking about people who have got powers and most of them, you know, with extraordinary powers are wanting to do the right thing by them. You know, we live in a world where people are just abusing their powers left, right and centre across the board. And yet you've got these these characters who are trying to do the right thing and help people with, with in some cases, uncontrollable powers. So... Yeah, that appeals to me, um, but it's also yeah how it's it's controlling that and what happens when there's a dark side, um, because as we see it, it's um, we 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 do lose control of that quite a lot. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, Bones, go and read um, von Clausewitz on war. It's a, it's it's a, it was published in the in the latter half of the nineteenth century. And okay. it's not out. It's it's not a history book. It's not like you know who, what, where, and when. It's about the philosophy of war and how it and it uses the Hegelian theory of the the synthesis between the state, the people, the powers that be, and how um, total war should be fought. So it informs a lot of the Prussian military ideology that that, that you see in World War One and World War Two. Very interesting read. And obviously, if you've never read, it, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to be presumptuous, but if you haven't read it, Sung Su, The Art of War, as well. No, I haven't read that either, actually. But that's that's right up my street, so I'll have to check those out, dude. 
yeah lyrical inspiration so if, if that was a saturday then where, where did you how did you get to new horizons <laughs> on the sunday uh new horizons musically came from a conversation that i had with the band where when we started out no one would book us because we obviously we believed in ourselves and that's why the first two tours that we did were totally self-booked because i would try and get us on these festivals and into these venues and basically people would turn around and go oh, you're too new no one's going to show up or whatever for the venues and then with the festivals it was always like you you're a bit too fucking heavy and that still happens in the uk which is frustrating um because for me like, I, I personally i don't really think we're that heavy and there's you know but like we were saying before a lot in the uk is is based around the the new walker and the sort of classic bluesy rock which is yeah. which is fine it's just not personally my bag and it was with new horizons it came from um a festival coming back and went oh you're really cool but you're too heavy and i thought do you know what if we if people are going to say we're too heavy let's just fucking be too heavy and i tried to write like the heaviest thing that i could within the context of tail gunner um i was listening a lot to the bathory debut at the time and so it was my sort of interpretation of that um musically lyrically it's uh it's a bit different when you're getting told you're too heavy is this is this this is classic rock festivals or is this actually metal festivals no this this is classic rock festivals because there's not really a great deal of sort of metal festivals no in no the no other than the obvious no there isn't no this is i mean not i won't i won't sort of name names there's one where airborne are playing who I absolutely love. I'm a huge Airborne fanboy. We, we know and the like, one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, like, we're they're more intense than us live, you know? Like, that's... My aim is to be as intense as they are, but you see them as a live band. They're fucking heavy, you know? Yeah. They may not be musically as heavy as us, but in terms of the live show... So I, I was a little bit like, okay, if you're going to call us too heavy, I'll, well, I'll just make something that's genuinely too heavy. <laughs> No, I, 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 yeah, I don't think they're, they're on the line, quite frankly. I think they're, so, yeah. What's you would nice... go down to storm in those festivals, you really would. And... You would, you would, 100%. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's really interesting because I was just about to say that, that the festivals that have to given us the chance, and we've been in amongst, um, I think I was mentioning earlier, amongst a crowd of these sort of, um, classic uh the new wave classic rock bands this um it we we've gone down really well and it, it's been really good for us because we've in some ways um stuck out as well we've been um we've been um uh, we've stuck out from the crowd which has really helped us and we've got really great feedback from all these festivals we've played so yeah they just yeah, need to give us a chance and we'll blow their heads off yeah you're not you're not a band like Harriet, for example, or Burner. You're not doing that kind of thing. I can understand that, but what you do is, you know, it's classic. And it's and almost like it's almost like people are, are writing you off based on I don't know the name of the band, the way you look, the way you what the way you dress, whatever it may be, before actually giving you a chance. Because you know, I, I hear enough classic, old school, hard rock, heavy metal in your music that would that would 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 come across in in any rock or metal based festival it really would there would be a crowd for you you know we went to the festival you're talking about now what it used to be called what was it called Ram rambling man that's what Ramblin it was. Man, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
There Went to that a couple of times it and no, fuck it, Look, fuck it. I've always, I've always said this. Don't give a fuck on this podcast. You say whatever you want. No one's going to hold you back. And that that festival had a fairly decent range of anything from metal bands to prog rock bands to blues bands. So why the fuck not? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It's, it's, it's narrow minded to just dismiss it altogether, dismiss you guys altogether. So fuck I, them. It's their loss. I think- the, the thing that gets frustrating for me, and I know it's the same for the rest of the guys, is seeing bands like, you know, we, we've done pretty well the last year and a half to get to where we are. And it's seeing bands that have not done so well, that are um, there just because of the style of music that they play. And it's like 100%. a lot of these people yeah. need to remember, like, like I said before, this is this is the, the nation that gave us Sabbath and Priest and Maiden and Saxon and Motorhead. And the love for it is still very much there. And I think what we've done is, is proven that because the first year, no one would give us a fucking chance other than Wildfire Festival. And now hopefully we've proven to a lot of these people it's, you know, it's it's actually quite commercially viable. Of course it fucking is. Of course it is. It's, it's, it's fucking ridiculous that within, within heavy metal, something we're all massively passionate about, that there can be this much nitpicking. Do you know what I mean? Well, you, it's you... like... When we when we played at Call of the Wild the other week, we had the biggest crowd over the weekend of anyone that wasn't a headliner. So hopefully that's not going to go unnoticed, you know. Uh, it, it will look. They they their social media feed featured a lot of you. Got photos of you and and videos and stuff like that. So they were clearly, you know, clearly pleased with with what happened there, and 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 rightly so. Look, they had a good lineup that festival. We had some good names sharing that stage. Mm. So for sure. Yeah, yeah, that is. <clears throat> you guys deserve a lot more respect than that. I think. I think that's that's ridiculous. Fuck them. <laughs> I just, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not interested in, in beating about the bush with that kind of thing because that's just a lousy excuse. It's bollocks. Fuck them. Anyway, I'll stop. I'll stop ranting now. Uh, so I think. I think. Sorry. It, it's 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 a case of short termism because they can't. You you put a band like Tail Gun on. You put a band like Hell Rep on. You put a, you put. Or a band like Azadahara, and you've got to you've got to look at it long term. Those bands, correct me if I'm wrong. Like you'll go back to that festival. The audience are going to see you. They're going to see you again the next year. They're going to go, we're going to we, we had a good time at that gig. We're going to go back and go back to that festival because that band are playing again. And it's like you build it up over the long term, and that's where you're going to get your payoff. But so many people are just they they just want that that one act on that one year that's going to get them the money that they need to to, mm-hmm. to turn a profit. And I know you need to turn a profit, but at the same time, it's not like that with music. You're not selling cars. You're not. You're not fucking Dixon selling TVs. You know you've got to look at it long term. Um, and and there's a, there's, there needs to be a synthesis between the festivals and the concert goers, and the promoters that you're building a scene. And if you're not going to build the scene, you're not going to get the long term benefits for the band, for the audience, and for the promoters. And um, and then. So we talked about on the podcast about like especially Draganza, this fucking ridiculous like well, you know, if you sell merch, we we, we want twenty five percent. Well, like the bands aren't turning around going, Well, we want twenty five percent of the fucking bar. You know, yeah. it's just like it's fucking stupid. Well yeah. the way the way to get around that is when the venue come and say, Right, we want our twenty five percent. Say, Okay, how much is it? And they go, I don't know, look, how much do you sell the merch for? Oh, it's actually all free. So and they, they can't really argue it. Do you know what I mean? That's that's what a lot of bands are doing now in these venues that want to take a merch cut. They say oh, it's actually all free, 
or you put a QR code on the table and say, here you go, pay online or something, and we'll we'll give it to you afterwards. Yeah, it, it's it's a fucking joke. It's something that, that we won't go down that rabbit hole too much because I, I, I tend to go <laughs> off on one a little bit. I've done it too many times, but it's um you're just gonna have to start thinking outside the box. If it means selling merch in a pub down the road or in a record shop or whatever it may be, then that's what it's gonna take. If if that's what if that's what needs to happen for the for these O2 venues in particular to to get the message, then so be it. And fuck them and all. It, it just it just sickens me. There's, there's no fucking need for it. Absolutely no need for it. And I get what, what we're saying about it. Yes, promoters, everyone needs to make a profit. But bands like you guys, at the level you're at, it's, it's an opportunity to showcase you on a stage where you might not necessarily be. And all of a sudden, you know, the following year, they could be asking you to come back and play on their main stage because it was that successful. They've got nothing to lose. They've got nothing yeah. to lose. So, you know, just, yeah, uh, fuck them. Anyway, let's move on. Um, Warhead. This is another one I really like. This made me feel like classic Saxon, this one. This is a proper sort of fist pumping, stomping anthem. So where's this come from then? Give us the gist. With Warhead, I always, I wanted a song when I was writing the record of like, like Judas Priest have the Sentinel. I wanted something about mm. like some sort of metal, character you know to lean into that old school sort of thing and that's lyrically that's where it comes from um in terms of the music it was we we played around with a load of covers as we were putting the band together and you know writing the album and everything and craig wanted to do purgatory by maiden obviously off the the killers album and it was actually learning that track that inspired warhead and for me as well like I'm a I'm a huge Guns N' Roses fan and I mean they're my favourite band and I can't always bring that inspiration into Tailgunner because of the style that we do but I wanted something that leaned just a little bit into that rock and roll thing and I think Warhead for me is like it's the rock and roll song on the record I mean there's still there's heaps of Priest and things in there as well but um, that's that's where it comes from musically and it's like I was saying to Zach the other day I think when we get to play a half an hour show, there's there's maybe stronger songs on the record that we could put in, but Warhead is so much fun to play live and it's got so much energy to play live that for me, like it's it's always got to be in the set. It's a great track. I think um one of its highlights for me uh, is the the harmony section. Um, I think that um, it's also great fun to play the harmony section live because uh, we get, all get to line up in a, like a pretty line and uh, look cool <laughs> whilst we're we're doing some nice harmonies. So yeah, that's a yeah, that's a it's great um, great track and and definitely the 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 riff with the uh, well I won't try, I won't uh, try and uh, uh, sing it out but uh, at the intro riff um, it's got such um, uh, GNR vibes um, and yeah uh, people always respond well to it as well when we play live just quickly before we uh, before we, we we carry on did um, did anybody watch Guns N' Roses at Glastonbury last night no I'm planning to tonight yeah I caught I caught it yeah yeah yeah, I, um, I, watched, I watched Mr Brownstone and I didn't want to watch all of it because I'm actually seeing them in about 10 days in Rome Oh, nice. I'm going to Hyde Park on the weekend. So, yeah, same, really. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I just I just find it funny that, you know, in, in what is 
ostensibly the first ever stadium built in the history of humankind, the Circus Maximus in Rome, just down from the Colosseum. That's where they're playing, right? And it's like, that's the only stadium that can contain the ego that is Absol Rose. You know? um, <laughs> but no, I think it's going to be great because like, um, I mean, I've never seen them before. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and then we're, I'm literally flying back to the UK the next day. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to spoil it too much. But, yeah, I mean, they, Mr. Brown said that the guitar tone, that the, 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 it sounded really fucking good. I'm, I'm really, like, seeing that. And I'm seeing some of the some of the set lists they're playing, that like they've played Anything Goes a couple of times, which I, I think is an underrated song. It's, it's a massive um, set list on this tour. It's like 30-odd songs. Good. The, the good. last time that I saw them was in Sweden, and they played for four hours. It's just it is impressive when bands do this because well we play like an an hour set like on the weekend at Wild Wildfire and um it makes you think shit four <laughs> hour set yeah that that that's one hell of a undertaking so you lot are all in your twenties as well these are all old men I, I think we play more notes in one song than Guns playing a set though <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You only got to look at people like Springsteen at what seventy-one years old is still going out doing three, three and a half hours a night. It's mad. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. But um, but yeah, just I, I watched it last night. I don't know if it was the uh, the sound mix or what, but kept losing Axel's vocals. It was it was a little bit all over the place. But I'm sorry, but like I, like I said, I saw Mr. Brownson, and I, I think I saw I can't remember the other song I saw. And it's the same thing when Metallica played Glastonbury, when other like you know hard rock bands have played or metal bands have played Glastonbury, and I just like and they cut to the crowd, and I'm just like you know all, everyone's doing this, and I'm just like stop, stop. Yeah, yeah, but you say you say that you say that I've watched a few bits of Glastonbury over the weekend, but <sighs> it, it takes a, a a bunch of sixty year old ex heroin addicts from the eighties to actually bring some fucking energy to that festival. Yeah. Before then, everybody just looked bored. Guns N' Roses come on, and, and no matter what your opinion is, they actually brought something to that festival, and people I've, I've never, I came have to never life. Been, I, I, I have never been interested in going to that festival. No, 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 me neither. I, mean, me neither. I know, because it, it's it, it, it's it, it's an absolute ball ache to get tickets. It's a ball ache to get there. Um, and Too many people. I think, it, I think, it's, I think it is, it's become a cliché. It's, it's just it's, a bunch of middle-class hippies, man. It is. It is. Yeah, basically. Like, what yeah. was it? Is it Dave said from Black City Records? People with muddy shoes standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> no, it, it, it does nothing to me. It, it, it would take something very special to get me a Glastonbury. So, uh, but but no, I, I remember, like, watching watching the highlights in, like, 94 when, like, Prodigy played. That was good. Um, and then you, you do get the occasional app. You think that looks fucking good, but do I want to go and like watch Radiohead? I I don't like Radiohead. I never have. I don't think they're shit though. I think they're good at what they do. They just they're just not for me. But you know, I mean, like, like you know, Elton John. Uh... Yeah, well, you know, but look, I I wouldn't go either. But they, you know, it, it it's done. Guns and Roses played. Fair play. They got payday. They went down well. It, it's all good. Anyway, back to you lot, more important. Um, crash Dive. So to me, being, you know, the layman, this sounds like a much more complex song, this one. There's there's quite a lot of time changes and there's a lot going on. Um, tell us a bit about this one. Yeah, like 
Crash Dive, um, I always say like, a, a big inspiration for me, and I think sometimes it surprises people, is, is King Diamond, especially on the Abigail album. Um, the band that he had on that album, the musicians, from like it's one of the greatest groups of musicians to ever play heavy metal. I think the, the technical aspects of that record are just <laughs> phenomenal. And that's what I wanted to try and do with Crash Dive is to put something together that was a little bit more like that. And I remember writing it like, and, and I sat there and basically I like to do this thing of when it gets to the solo section of the song is how many cool riffs can I put in the solo section for for Zach to, to play on top of. And with Crash Dive, I don't know what happened that day, but I would, I would track one riff and then I'd get another one instantly and another one, another one. It was just, fuck it, I'll just put, all of these riffs into this song so that that was that really for me and then lyrically i saw the film das boot the old war movie and um as i was watching Great it I thought, this is, this is fucking yeah it's awesome i just sat there on my phone like and every time they would say something cool or something cool had happened i'd just sit there and make a note of it and by the time i got to the end of the film i was like fucking up i've got a whole song here you know and what what i really like for me which was an achievement and that, that I'm proud of is there's a lot of lyrics in that track which are sort of like historically accurate. Like the 14 Angels is like that was the minimal amount of missiles that like the U-boats would carry and 44 Souls was the minimum crew and things. And that was that was the most sort of factually correct song that I've written anyway. Nice. I like, I, I, I like that. The level of detail you've gone into with some of your song titles and lyrics is, is what's just your, um, fucking what, incredible. What's the songwriting process for you guys? Uh, normally I'll write a song and I'll show it to the others and they'll go, that's great, let's play it. Or they'll go, that shit, write another one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, I, I mean, if you were to hear my demos compared to the final product, there's a, there's certainly a lot that Zach and the others will put on top that make it sound more, more, um, <laughs> more viable, you know? <laughs> I always I like to like Zach will disagree, but I like to joke that I'm I'm a fucking terrible guitarist, man. Like I never I never learned to play guitar. I can write riffs, but I can't play guitar. So my demos are like the the songs there, but you you certainly need the rest of the band to actually play the tracks. I I think it's quite interesting your guitar lines because um, as a bassist you approach the guitar in a completely different way than a guitarist would approach guitar. So I I find it really interesting having to learn some of these riffs, and it's like it it can sometimes be tricky for it to get to get it under my fingers because it's I'm like oh I wouldn't have done that, but I think that's part (laughs) of what makes it sound cool. Like it's uh, like like Zach will say to me like oh like in this bit it's going from like major into minor and I'm like is it? <laughs> if you you've, got the, you've got the right dynamic then if, if if you could do it like that then and you're all honest with each other then then you're onto a fucking we, winner. We did an episode a while ago on 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 prog prog rock prog metal and me and Bean made the the point that. When you listen to some progressive music, prog rock and prog metal, some one of the problems it has is it sometimes it, it it's like an academic exercise. So it's like we mm. have to write this in, in C, or we have to write this in D, and then we're gonna have to we're gonna have to have these four key uh, key changes, four time changes, and stuff like that. And we're gonna have to write this in this tempo and stuff like that. So it, it and it's not and and, it, and I think then it stops becoming songwriting and it becomes an academic 
principle. I totally agree. And and totally and agree. at the same time, it's like sometimes if you're not a fucking music graduate and you haven't had <coughs> four or five music theory at university, whatever it is you want to do, I think sometimes that's a good thing because a little bit of lack of technical knowledge can actually help you because you're not going to get bogged down in the oh my god I've, I've i've done this now i need to follow it with this and you're going no but th does that really give you the sound that you're looking for so you know again, it's like i completely agree with that and i think actually it's quite funny that you mention it because the um in crash dive we have a bit which uh well we go like um into uh, there's a bit which is in six eight and it isn't like um it's been written for six eight in six eight um for the sake of writing it in six eight and being uh, like technical. It's just it sound it's the bit that sounds like to me, it's after my solo, it sounds like a submarine going it, it goes da, 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 I I won't sing it, but yeah, it, it, <laughs> you you'll get the part. It's straight after the solo and yeah. it sounds and it, it's within keeping of the music and that's what you you, you can't lose you can't ever lose sight of that and some bands will as you say just write music a certain way because it is technical and not thinking about the like the holistic the holistic approach of like what what you're trying to convey with this music yeah yeah that's a good I, I like that's a good way of putting it the holistic approach the whole song approach that's definitely you know that's 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 cool um so i'm actually interested as well in like what what kind of equipment are you guys using so so for me i i um i have got um i i, I don't know how whether any of you guys are guitarists <laughs> oh uh, <laughs> uh, yeah I, i'm using i'm a, uh, I'm a terrible guitarist uh, i'm sure you're not that bad but uh, he is. But, uh yeah I am. Uh, uh, but I don't know. Um, I've got a uh, the it, it sounds like a space age sort of thing, but it's called the uh, neural quad cortex, the neural capture quad cortex. It, it sounds like very like sci-fi, but um, it's been an absolute um, wonder um, uh, for like uh, recording, for playing live, getting consistency of tone. Um, it has um, been great. It, with the album, uh, with guitars, um, we uh, I know that uh, Patrick used JCM eight hundred uh, and oh, threw cool. an attenuator and um, uh, and yeah, it's tube screamer sort of thing. And I used a Black Star HT Stage one hundred uh, through again like an attenuator <coughs> because we um, it, um, just to help with the recording process. What's your um? What would be your like dream guitar to have? Oh, dream guitar to have, um, all of them. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean yeah. no, no, no. To be honest, I I think um I think yeah, that's the thing. Like I I I go through phases of different like I will fixate my on one particular shape. Uh, one particular sort of type, like uh, type, uh, and I, I'll I'll fixate on that for a period and then go on to another and i i want just all the variety so i can ex experiment with with it because i've all. got i used to have i mean i i, and I bought this years ago but my my first week of uni i, I got my student name chat 
Yeah. Went down to Cardiff Uni. Went down with my mate Rob, who we've had on. He's actually um, content editor for music radio on Tech Guitar. Spot Kerry King signature BC Rich Warlock. Yeah. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Um, and then I had a, a PV trans tube. Um, cool. But like I said, no, I I don't want I don't want to misrepresent. My, I am fucking terrible. No, I am shit. Right. <laughs> but um, because I, I mean I've been living abroad for longer, so I've, I've kind of fallen out of the habit of playing because I can't lug a guitar and amp around with me. So, um. But I, I basically, that was my student name check, and then I lived off fruit and fiber cereal for the rest of the year. <laughs> That's the way it's got to be. Yeah, Heavy yeah, metal. yeah. Priorities. Yeah. Um, right, so last two songs on the album then. Uh, again, this will be two songs that most people won't be familiar with. So you've got Blood for Blood, Blood for Blood, sorry, um, which is a bit of a sort of a, got a, a kind of a bit of a call to arms feel to it, this one. Um, I, I did like it. It's sort Again, tell us all about it. There's going to be there's there's a story behind every single one of your songs. So, Blood for Blood was one of the <laughs> the earlier songs that I wrote. Actually, like the the first three were Shadows of War, Guns for Hire, and and Blood for Blood. But I didn't write the lyrics again, like Shadows of War, for a long, long time because with the the verse riff, it's very, very difficult to fit lyrics over it that didn't just follow the riff. And if I was to try and write lyrics that followed the riff, it, it would just be, it'd be ridiculous, really. So it took a long, long time. And it wasn't until a couple of years later that basically I, um, without even having the song in mind, I had these sort of opportunities to go and play bass for bands where it would have meant being a professional musician and going and, you know, skipping skipping a lot of the stuff, basically to just join something that was larger and everything. But it wasn't the sort of music that I wanted to play. It wasn't, wasn't you know, anything like what we do. And I just wrote lyrics in my phone because I'm always just jotting things down anyway. And I wrote the lyrics about Blood for Blood and it was about this sort of being torn between two things of like, do I go and sort of skip the queue and go and join this band because they they were on a label that my my previous band were working with and it would have been quite an easy option to go and do. Or do I keep working on Tail Gunner? And this, this bear in mind, is like a couple of years before we even launched the band. So there was no no way of knowing if this was going to go well or if like we put it out in the world and if anyone would even give a shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like, it was me really contemplating what to do and ultimately deciding like, no, fuck it. Like at, at some point in my life, I have to just try and do this thing that I've always wanted to do, which is what tail gunner is. It's just the band that I wanted to be in when I was a kid, basically. And I, I wrote these lyrics without the music in mind. And it wasn't until, you know, a few months later or whatever, I was listening to the music for Blood for Blood and I was like, oh, I need to, I need to write lyrics for this. I think it was the last set of lyrics that I actually put down for the for the record. And I was looking through my notes on my phone of like, have I got anything that fits? And then I sang the lyrics that I'd written over the top of it and it worked perfectly. And it was it was one of those really cool moments as a songwriter where you've had two totally separate ideas written years apart. And then you realise like shit, this this works perfectly together. And of course, in the end, ultimately, like I decided to go with Tail Gunner, and that's what the the track is about lyrically. Is about sticking to your guns and like not taking the easy road. 
I like that. I got a lot of time for that. It's very cool. Um, but we we need to, we need to let's let's move on to the final track because this is this is an ambitious step now because you're getting into Hallow be thy name kind of territory here. So the final track on the album's called Rebirth. It's eight minutes and forty seconds long. Always a bold move when you you start approaching a ten minute song. So. <laughs> where was this was this intentional did you want to write a longer song or is this just something that that kind of came together i really wanted to write a longer song but for the first record so the this album was written between the autumn of 2018 and the autumn of 2021 so half of the time that i was writing the album i didn't actually have a band right. and it was put together whilst the other guys were joining and things which is why i wrote so much of the album as a songwriter, because I only started writing songs when I started to work on this album, I didn't have the capability to write an epic. I really wanted an epic to close the album. Um, I feel like the style of music that we play in the sort of band we are, that's a box that I really wanted to tick. Yeah. And I tried and tried to write an epic track. And I, I, it just it wasn't working. They were just boring. It was like long for the sake of long and... And I basically, one day, uh, we were rehearsing. We were, you know, tightening some things up. And and Sam had been telling me about this song that Craig had written called Rebirth. And Craig's quite a sort of, he's, he's a shy guy off stage, right? And, and Sam was going, no, Craig, fucking show him this track, show him this track. And we sat there in a rehearsal room and he put it on the PA as a fully finished demo with all of, as you hear it on the record, 99%. And we sat there and listened to it in this rehearsal room and like collectively all just went, fuck it now. <laughs> you know, and it was like, where the, where the fuck did that come from? And um, I said, well, that's, that's the last track on the album then. So I, I had absolutely nothing to do with rebirth. It was, it was entirely Craig and he's the sort of guy that he, he won't say much when we're doing things as a band and deciding on things. But when he does speak up, we're all going, fucking hell, mate. You know, I love the I, I just love the, the, the way that the, the dynamism of it, the, the slower bit in the middle. And then it goes on to a bigger finish. It just creates that that mood like, you know, obviously very different. But in the same way that Master of Puppets does that, that sort of change in mood in the middle of the song. It just works, you know. So fair play to fucking that, nailed it. That build up, that build up before the verse kicks in, it's just that's one of my favourite parts of the album. It was, it's really. We played it for for the first time the other day um, at Wildfire, and yeah, that was really fun to fun to play that build up. And um, for me personally, it's my favourite um, track on the album. Uh, is the epic and the, my favorite moment on the album is the moment Craig hits a really long note and I come in with the heart like the the guitar melody like uh I think two thirds of the way through um the song and it goes into a long harmony section but um I absolutely love that and when I'm just rehearsing at home rehearsing with the guys I always get goosebumps during <laughs> during that moment so yeah that's a sign of a a good track I guess that's what you need what was... from, from the epic song, isn't it? Because, yeah, Bones, like you said, they, they can be boring. A long song can be boring. If you nail it and get it right, like you have on this, <coughs> yeah, it, it must feel great. What I loved as well at Wildfire, like Zach was saying, is because it was the first time that we played the entire album 
yeah. in the show and, and a couple of covers as well. Um, and we did Rebirth as the first encore. So we, we finished the set on Crash Dive, went off and, you know, the you know fortunate enough to get a, a crowd chanting the name and all the rest of it. And then coming back on and it was me, Zach and Rhea um, facing the drum kit for that that whole build up, and as Zach comes in with that lead line, turns around and faces the crowd, and it it does feel epic to play for for lack of a better word, and to come back on stage and do that as the first encore just felt like such a it was such a cool moment to finally play that track live, you know. Yeah, those are the moments that you'll remember, and and if look, you you don't know five ten years down the line. That could be your, you, you know, your big moment, your fear of the dark. It's, it's all of that, and it, those, those big memorable moments in a show. If you nail it, fucking, yeah, it, it's, it's a great song, and it's a great way to finish the album. It really is. And I just, I just love hearing lines like "traveled onto the land of hope and dreams." You can't, you, you, just, you can't beat that kind of shit. It's, <laughs> it's, it's always going to work for me. Well, this is the thing now going forward, and on the second album, because we're. We're seven tracks into that, and it's fucking hell. because because we're it's, it's fucking like I won't I won't go too much into detail because we've got to try and sell this first record, but like it's it's a it's a big step up, which is nice. But we're writing more together because now the band is together, and there's no lockdown or any of that shit. Like we can actually sit in a room together and, and do these things. Like me and Zach have a track that was we've written together and things, and um, yeah, like it's. It's definitely, it's definitely going well. So, what's the plan now? Then, next, you know, year, eighteen months, two years. You've got some dates coming up in the UK. You're going to Germany in October, I believe, isn't it? So, you know, things are starting to sort of step up now. So, what, what's the what's the plan and what's the hopes now for the next twelve to eighteen months? I mean, so obviously the record's out in just under three weeks. Um, from there. We've got a couple of shows, obviously opening for for KK Downing, which is going to be really cool to That's be asked. Nice. Yeah, to it. I mean, when we got that email, it was from his manager saying KK heard your band and he really likes you, and we were all like, obviously, you know, liking what we like. We're, nah, we're sorry, we're, we're we're busy. We're not interested. Nah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, going going out to Germany and playing Keep It True, especially like that's that was my dream festival at, at this level of the band. I think that's the best yeah. that we can we can play with so many legends as well. Um, and then we come back to the UK, do the UK tour. And then we've just, uh, it's not, not been announced yet. So I won't say too much, but we've just managed to bring in a booking agent for worldwide. Um, nice. So next year will be the, the plan is to go all over Europe. Like, as I say, this, this autumn we'll do the UK tour for the album and then next year we'll break into Europe and thank fuck really that I don't have to book those shows because I think trying to put something of that size together would be a nightmare. But we've got got a really good booking agent coming now. So that's the plan for 2024. And then we'll we'll see where things go. Eventually world domination, basically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> why why the fuck not? I mean, you've obviously got the festival circuit you've got to think about as well, haven't you? Which is these days you can't you you can't avoid it, and not maybe some not not so much this year, but next summer that's got to be on your horizon, surely. For sure, like that's that's the aim. Is like I said, like this year is the UK headline tour. Next year, if we play the UK, it will just be festivals 
or if we can land a really cool support tour. Yeah. But other than that, it'll be it'll be festivals in Europe with some club shows around them and things. But I mean, we love doing festivals. It's it's nice playing those gigs where you're not headlining and you have to go and prove yourself to people. Yeah. And I love that. And it, with with how intense I think we are as a live band, we always I know all of us we love starting a show and looking at the crowd and seeing people go like, "Fucking it." <laughs> it's always a nice feeling. There's nothing better, I think, that, you know, you walk out onto a stage and you've got a load of people in front of you who've got their arms folded and they're like, go on then, impress me. And you yeah. fucking blow them away. And I've, I've seen it several times as a fan. So from a band's point of view, I must feel fucking good. So, um, sorry, the, the missus just got back in and she was, she heard me listen to your album the other day, earlier. <laughs> And and she said she could she could detect some like punk undertones in there. So, what yes. do you guys think about that? I'm I'm a huge huge punk fan. So that's well, my that's my, my my wife is like well into like punk and like, like things like rancid and ska yeah. punk and stuff like that. So, yeah, if if I wasn't playing heavy metal, I'd be playing punk rock. And I've, I, it's really actually it's really really nice. It's a big compliment to me that someone can hear that because I think it's so buried within the music. It's it's not at all at a surface level, but attitude wise and things, the the fact that someone can pick up on that is super nice to me. Like my Misfits are one of my favorite bands. I love the Pistols, Dead Boys, you know. So yeah, that's I, I absolutely love that to be honest. She's 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 laughing, mate. <laughs> <laughs> she's sat off camera. She's not coming on, but <laughs> um, look, I think I, I think look, punk is in 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 the, the whole new wave of British heavy metal thing in the early eighties. Punk had an influence on that anyway. So if you disregard 100%. punk, you you'd be making a mistake when you it, ha- it has to be there. I don't care what Steve Harris says. The first Iron Maiden album is influenced by punk. Of course, it fucking can lie hundred percent all day long. Yeah. It's. I mean, the new wave of British heavy metal wouldn't have happened without punk. That was exactly that was the yeah, response. Exactly. That was the old school stuff that said, "Hang on, got a bunch yeah. of young lads doing some really angry stuff. Why can't we do that?" Yeah. So it's a cycle. But then again, it's, it, it goes back to. I think it was Tom Morello. I think I heard him in an interview. He was <clears> like, <throat> "You look at bands like Pink Floyd and <clears throat> Jethro Tull and and people like that, and like." It was like this this idea that you needed a fucking music degree to be in a band, and then you mm. hear things like the Sex Pistols and the Ramones. You think, no, I don't. This is I just need to play five chords, and I can just get up on stage and just fucking go for it. And 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 again, it's just like you know, and the Clash and stuff like that. So you don't need to have a fucking PhD in music theory to be able to put a fucking song together. Well, a lot a lot of our live show as well, like. Like I said, Airborne are like the inspiration for me live with the intensity and the energy. But in terms of the attitude, it's it's all based on punk rock, really. I don't personally, I, I can't speak for the others, but I don't really look so much to metal bands with inspiration for the show. I'm I'm all about the punk thing. And like me and Zach were having a chat about when we played at Wildfire and I don't know so much about the others. I think they do a little bit, but my my thing with a crowd is I'll find the person in that crowd. If you look bald, I'm picking on you. You know, <laughs> if if you're stood there and you're going, oh, you know, I hate this. This isn't for me. I, I will I will stand and I will stare at you until you notice that I'm staring at you, and I will I'll pick on you until you fucking get into it. You know. 
yeah, that's that's the right approach, I think. Because like London, London especially is terrible for that. There's always people in that fucking crowd. No matter how big or small the venue is, there's always someone there just drinking hand, going, Yeah, I've seen it all before, or I'm bored, or, or whatever. It's yeah, they're your yeah. target, hundred percent. That's um, it. Don't don't play to the person that's loving it. Play to the person that's hating it and go, I'm fucking having you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was I, I was I was not happy the other day, right? So I was I, I had to go somewhere to some fucking bullshit government office to get some paperwork sorted out, right? With the secretary from school, right? And uh she's like, Oh, you you're wearing a, a Megadeth t shirt. I was like, Yeah, yeah, she is goes, I, I saw those in nineteen ninety in like Bologna. And I was like, Are you telling me you went to the fucking clash of the science? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fucking went there. I was like, What well, I, I said I said I said I've worked with you for three years and I'm only finding this out now. Like, what the fuck? She goes, yeah, there was that band called Suicidal Tendencies on the bill. I said, fuck off. Just get out. <laughs> um, let's pull it back from the tangent just quickly before we uh, before we let you go. Um, just two things I want to uh, I want to bring up. You, uh, you you worked on this album with Olaf Wickstrand from Enforcer. How did that kind of come about and what influence did he have on the album? I met Olaf... Um before there even was a band about a year into writing the album um just before like just a few weeks before i think zach joined um or around the same time i went to see him for playing birmingham and i heard that he engineered stuff so when i met him after the show at the merch table i said oh i've heard you know you're an engineer and things and he does the enforcer stuff and they, they've got some incredible sounding albums and i said i'm putting a band together you know, would you be interested? And he said, yeah, like, definitely. And he said, I'm cheap. <laughs> and, um, but the thing, the thing is with Olaf, it's very, very important to us that we had a, a middle ground of someone that wasn't going to try and produce this like a modern power metal album where it's like, you know, super well produced. Yeah. But at the same time, understood that I'm not, trying to do something that sounds like a demo from 1983 i'm trying to do something that you know is is actually sort of commercially viable and it sounds old school but can you can still play it on the radio and i knew that with olaf we could give him any um any reference in in metal and he would understand exactly where we were coming from so the album self-produced because we recorded it before we had a label or anything like and um people think it's like a really interesting story and whatever with recording it in an old chapel and things, but it was because we didn't have a choice. Like we, we couldn't actually go to a professional studio because we couldn't afford it. So the album self-produced and then we sent everything off to Olaf in Sweden and then sort of bounced emails back and forth until we were happy with the sound basically. It, it, you know, that's, that's a good name to have in there anyway. And, and they're, they're a great band. So uh, you've got to be thinking, that's that's a great tour for you if you could get out and support them around Europe. Well, that, you know they're on the same booking agent that we've just um, ah, started, started working with. So I mean, yeah, they've they've got a new album to tour. We've got a new album to tour. Fingers crossed. And we've been gagging for them to play in in the UK. I mean, they're they're supporting Destruction later in the year, but it's uh, I've I've heard him say that the UK just doesn't just just. There's just not a lot there for them, and and but don't like want to talk about, about what you're struggling for. Well, look, okay. let's leave it. Let's leave that out. Okay, go and talk to your wife. She's probably asleep on the sofa by now. 
Um, <laughs> now, one last thing, the, the search for a new guitarist. So how, how, how is it going? Have you started to have auditions? And because the, the whole, the whole thing must've come as a bit of a shock that it's put you in this position where the album's about to come out. You know, all this has happened. It's, it, it, it doesn't help, does it? Well, I think first off, we need to say with Rhea that's filling in now, like she just turned 19 the other day. We fired we fired Pat on a Monday and we played at Call of the World on a Sunday. Rhea agreed to step in on the Tuesday and she learned our show in three days before oh, we rehearsed. She's yeah. done amazingly. She's absolutely smashed it. That is and then, fucking awesome that you've got a yeah. female guitarist. Yeah. 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 So it's, extremely extremely impressive and then and as well like call of the world was the biggest show that we played and obviously the biggest show that she's ever played like so it was yeah she she did amazingly and then during that week we were talking to other people because we had all these shows coming up in the summer like headlining wildfire and with kk downing and things and that's like two thousand odd people so we're trying to find someone but when we played call of the world with ria as soon as that weekend was done, and it, it wasn't just the fact that she learned the show in three days. It was the whole day, like being so professional to work with and on the merch table afterwards. And, you know, it's, it's especially at this level, we haven't got all these people to do all these things for us. It's everything we do ourselves. Yeah. So you really, it's, it's a team effort and she really like pulled her weight. So like, first off, like, I just want to say that she's, she's done amazing. Um, and then we asked her to to step in for the rest of the summer. And so we've got a few people in the mix. There's there's three people uh so far, including Rhea, uh, which she which she knows about. She knows she's in the mix. So we'll be auditioning people end of next month, and we're hoping to make a decision going into August, and then that gives us a couple of months to rehearse then before going out and touring the album. Would would she be would she be interested in coming on the podcast? Because like we what we've been doing is we've been discussing amongst ourselves for a while that we'd really like to see more like you know female guests on, and also like I think it's something that needs to be championed because it, it's it for, for decades it's been such a, uh, a male dominated like you know industry, and like the fact that you've got female guitar players who are can like you know just smoke most male guitar players and you know it's and it's like you know it really it would be like it would, I think it would really be cool to give someone even if she you know even if you it's not a long term thing for you guys but to give someone like that some a little bit of exposure and also just be interested to hear their take on the the music industry and what it's like gigging and and like I'm, their influences and stuff, so like that would be really cool. Like, I mean, I don't know what you're going to an ant thing, but I mean, that would be nice. Yeah, to have hundred percent, hundred fucking percent. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure she, I'm sure she'd love to do that. Just, just quick as well, like you were saying with smoking most, uh, most guys as well. Is we um worked for a long, long time to, you know, for lack of a better term, I know it's not a very rock and roll thing to say, but like with the choreography on stage and like. You know, the guitarist going forward in solos and the whole thing with like both at the front with all the harmonies and things. And Pat would never do that. He would just stay glued to this one spot on stage. And for us playing with Rhea, it was like, 
the we we did one practice with her the day before Call of the Wild, and she said, "What what do I do on stage? Like, where do I stand? And what what are you guys all about in that?" And I said, "Right, this bit of this song, do this. Then later in this song, do this. Then the next song, do this." And I thought she's never going to fucking remember this, but we're you know we're just lucky to have someone fill in. And then we said, "Right, let's run through the show in in gig mode." And then like she's just every every fucking thing that we said to her we want you to do she just went and smashed it and for all of us and i know i can speak for all of us when it comes to playing on stage now to have everyone in the band committed to giving the, the audience a show not just playing the music like it's i like as well because for a long time i know as a bass player 99 percent of the crowd they don't give a shit about the bass player right they're not <laughs> it's, it's not they're not interested right so but i would i would fill in a lot for for Pat and whatever by, you know, being all around. And it, it doesn't feel right in a guitar solo where I'm front and centre. I think people don't give a shit about what I'm playing, some fucking root notes. And now to have those opportunities in the set where I can hang back and be the bass player and, and see Zach and Rhea both at the front playing the harmony sections and things is like, it, it gives me such a sense of pride, you know? No, I, I love that. I saw the, the photos from Call of the Wild. She's... She just she looks really comfortable in that situation. It just seems to it just seems to work. There's a, there's a photo from Wildfire, I think, the two of you, like you said, up front stage doing the harmony. It just looks fucking awesome. It and really you know does. what? I, I I don't think um I think I've done two shows with Rhea and um we've we have, let's say, a, a vast number of photos stood next to each other doing this cool harmony work. I don't think I I, I don't think there's ever been a photo where i've been <laughs> next to pat <laughs> Look, out, so, um, of, out of out of a you know a, a negative situation comes something positive and and that's yeah that's the main thing yeah. and so yeah yeah it's, it's really good to see and Look, whoever whoever comes in, whether it's real, whether it's somebody else i'm sure they'll uh i'm sure they'll slot in and hopefully you find the right person so yeah fair play to you um Look, guys. Hopefully, it's not a Kerry King and Megadeth situation. <laughs> no, it, it probably wouldn't. Wait, no. <laughs> yeah, highly unlikely. Um, look, guys. Thanks so much for coming on on a Sunday night. You know, because obviously we should all be in church at this time on a Sunday night. It's doing our thing. Um, what are you talking about? I went to mass this morning. Of course, you fucking did. Oh well, no, I didn't go to it. I did it. Padre. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um look, so the album comes out july 14th um it's obviously going to be streaming you know you, you can't avoid that unfortunately it's it's out on vinyl as well um just one last plug for it just let everyone know where they can go where they can order it pre-order it where they can find it and look, let's, let's get out there as much as possible talk yeah like yeah july 14th it's available to pre-order at the moment from all of the different distributors that we've got around the world. The main one in Europe will be the Atomic Fire web store. In the UK, it's Omerch. And if you pre-order it, we've got a bundle deal where you can get... It's a, a T-shirt with our first ever show poster on the T-shirt. Uh, as Zach said before, we've got a picture disc. We've got a royal blue vinyl, which ties in nicely for me with uh, my, my football club. And we've got a crystal clear vinyl. It's going to be on a CD in the US in a dual case and it's Digipack CDs for the rest of the world. Sorry, and on that note, what football club are we talking about? Everton FC. 
Are you from Liverpool? Uh, sort of, yeah. Like, I'm originally from just outside Liverpool. My family are all Evertonians, but my mum and dad moved down to Portsmouth when I was about 10. So I've, I've largely lost the accent. But if I if I shout, if I drink, or if I watch football, it comes straight back. As as Zach will tell you, as soon as we play Liverpool, I've been in the city like half an hour, and my accent will just it'll just come straight back. <laughs> what's gonna What's gonna happen next season? Then are you gonna stay up? What 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 fuck's going on? You're gonna end up in the Championship with a very expensive stadium. Uh, don't Don't ask me what's going on at Everton. You could ask someone at Everton what's going on at Everton. They won't be able to tell you any more than that. <laughs> Look, we've all been. We are, uh, we are the most bipolar you know, club in the league. Yeah, yeah, that's the, yeah. I think that that probably pretty much sums it up. Yeah, Look, it, it can't get <laughs> it can't get any worse. It can't get any worse. <laughs> Fucking hell! It could be worse. I could support Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, we we've all been there. I'm a Villa fan. The voice of reason is a Palace fan. Padres a Blackburn fan. So we all okay. know how to be miserable. Pro- Fucking Venkies, man. Pro- Seriously. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, You're owned by know. chicken wankers. So yeah, yeah. it's no glory hunting. Chicken wankers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this this is not a football podcast. So uh, let's right. let's uh, let's end it there. Look, guys, thank you so much for coming on. It's it's been wicked hearing about the album. We love it. Anybody else that if you're listening to this podcast, you're gonna fucking love it as well. I don't think there's there's any way you could deny that. Um, and if you don't, stop listening basically because you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Similar as that. <laughs> <laughs> um Thank we'll, you guys. Uh, yeah we'll yeah, um we'll be us. back we'll, we'll be back next week i'm sure with a, a load of other nonsense i'm not exactly sure what oh no yes we are back next week with with uh nigel and heather from a band called chupacabra uh thrash band out of bristol new project four track ep coming out um get out there and check that out because they're really good they're coming on for a chat next week so i think that'll be that'll be really interesting uh so yeah until then bones Zach, thank you very much. It's been uh, it's it's been wicked fun. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. And uh, I hope, hope to see you at the uh, at the Black Art in October. We will hundred percent be at the Black Art in October with bells on. Fuck yeah, sounds great. And, uh, and hopefully, many other people will be as well. Yeah. On that note, thank you very much for listening and stay well. See you guys. See you, dudes. <laughs>